Our text today comes from John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Hear now God's word to us. While Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They said this to him to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. But Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger, on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. When the scribes and the Pharisees show up on the scene, we should start to get suspicious. Now, I don't want to be too hard on the scribes or the Pharisees. After all, they are the law followers. They know the law. And they can't quite comprehend why Jesus is so okay with breaking the law. Still, when the Pharisees and scribes show up on the scene in what appears to be some sort of trap for Jesus, we should all get a little suspicious. Of course, Jesus does what he always does. He does something completely unexpected. He does something that's rather confusing. He does something that's just plain weird. When the scribes and Pharisees show up with this woman who has been caught in adultery, Jesus bends down and begins scribbling something in the dirt. Is anyone else as confused by that as I am? Why does Jesus bend down and begin scribbling something in the dirt? A woman is standing before Jesus. She is standing before the scribes and Pharisees, and she's afraid for her life. After all, the scribes and Pharisees will follow the law. This woman's life is about to end. Surely Jesus has something to say in this moment. Surely Jesus has a rebuttal ready in his back pocket pocket to explain to the scribes and Pharisees why they are not to follow the law. Surely Jesus is concerned for this woman's life. But Jesus bends down and begins writing something in the sand or doodling or making some sort of hieroglyphic or a caricature of one of the Pharisees. For all we know, who even knows what Jesus is writing in the sand? And the text doesn't tell us, which leads me to believe it can't be all that important. So then we're left with a question. 
Why does Jesus bend down and begin to scribble in the sand? Well, let's go back to the story and put ourselves into the scene. Picture yourself there. You're running down the busy streets of Jerusalem. There's chanting and there's yelling. Everyone is pressed in on each other, sweating as the dust flies up from the pounding feet. And there's a woman. She's being dragged along in the midst of this crowd. You can barely see her head as she stumbles. Somehow, after being caught, she ceased to be a person and is now just a criminal. Tempers are high, and they keep rising. The yelling gets louder. The hands on the woman's back get rougher. Then there's Jesus, and the woman is shoved to the ground in front of him. The crowd gathers, a circle of eager spectators. This woman is on trial, and if the trial goes in the direction of the law, this woman will lose her life. The trap has been sprung. The victim was found and dragged to Jesus' feet. And now he's surrounded by a crowd of spectators. Will he have her killed or will he break the law? And you stand there, part of the circle around this woman. Every eye is on Jesus. The trap is for him. How will he respond And then Jesus bends down into the sand and you keep looking at him. You're trying to get his attention. You peer over to see what he's writing. Everyone yelling for him, demanding a response. And Jesus stands. A hush descends over the crowd. He looks at you and he looks at everyone else. And he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. You look at Jesus, bewildered, puzzled, and then Jesus crouches down into the sand again. And as he bends down, this time you're no longer looking at Jesus, but the woman who's still standing in the middle of the circle. Now you are eye to eye, face to face, with the woman you've just put on trial. Your eyes begin to dart uncomfortably from the humiliation on her face, and you settle your eyes on another member of the crowd. When Jesus bends down into the sand, he forces the scribes and Pharisees to look at the woman face to face and eye to eye, looking into her eyes, seeing her sins exposed. Jesus makes everyone around the circle think about their own sins. It's no longer just the woman exposed in her sin. Now you are, too. Whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. The woman who's on trial, her sins were exposed from the beginning, but now yours are, too. You can't throw a stone because you aren't without sin. You're a sinner just like she is, looking at this woman eye to eye and face to face. Everyone in that circle realizes in an instant that they should all be on trial. And the only person that can condemn all of them is scribbling something in the sand. These men standing around this woman were struck in a moment of confession. They had to confess that they, too, were sinners. In our worship service, we have a corporate confession 
That means we have to look at each other face to face and eye to eye, and we have to publicly name that we are all sinners, every single one of us. We have to look at each other and be exposed. Being exposed, that makes you humble. Confessing humbles the heart. We will gather to throw stones. Maybe we don't realize it, and maybe we like to pretend like it's not true, but we will. We will gather to throw stones. Look at all the reality shows on television. We watch as spectators, and we laugh, and we ridicule. Look at the gossip mills of our own town. Look at the ways in our own private lives that we defend ourselves over and above everyone else. I don't know how many times during college or even seminary that I found myself saying things like, well, she doesn't have a job. She has so much free time to hang out with her friends, but I don't. I work two jobs, and I don't have any free time. Why is she complaining? She has nothing to complain about. Maybe I wasn't dragging her and throwing her at Jesus' feet, but I was certainly casting pebbles to defend myself. We will gather to throw stones. And that's why it's so important that we also gather to confess our sins. Because in doing so, we look at each other face to face and confess that we are all sinners. Confessing humbles the heart. In the movie The Mission... A Spanish soldier has been making money by enslaving local Indians, a native tribe in Spain. Through a turn of events in this movie, he kills his friend in a duel and spirals into this depression, overwhelmed by everything wrong that he's done in his life, the enslaving of these people. It's a Jesuit priest who is able to help him out of his depression. This priest does so not just by declaring that this man is forgiven, he does so by making the man confess his sins. And the priest also requires this soldier to travel with him to one of the villages, one of the same ones where he had captured people. So the soldier begins his journey, and as he begins his journey, he is forced to carry around him his armor and a sword and a big bag around his waist. Those things tied around him to remind him of his sins, an actual, literal burden. So he begins his weighted journey through the forest. As if that isn't bad enough, the village is not easy to get to. It's up on a mountain. There's even a part where he has to climb through a waterfall. So all of this, the soldier does all of this with this sin hanging on him, literally carrying this weight around with him. He climbs this treacherous mountain straight up on slippery rocks, knowing there's a good chance he might not even make it to the top. But he does. When he gets to the top of the mountain, the natives see him, and they recognize this man. This is the man that has captured their friends. They rush toward him, and you can see the resignation on the soldier's face. He's ready for them to kill him. One of them even pulls a knife. But instead of killing him, they cut off the rope that is carrying this burden around him. And it drops down and is carried away by the river. He carried his sins to the ones he needed forgiveness from. They were the only ones who could justifiably condemn him, but they didn't. They set him free 
pardon sets you free. The pardon this man received set him free. The pardon we receive from Jesus Christ, that also sets us free. If we turn back to our story of the adulterous woman, what strikes me most about this story is that after the scribes and the Pharisees are caught in their own sins, they begin to slink away one by one. Once exposed as sinners, they see no reason to stick around. They were forced to look at each other. They feel too exposed, so they leave. I imagine the crowds, they take the rocks they've been carrying in their hands and they drop them down at Jesus' feet. Those rocks they had gathered to stone this woman they can no longer justify using. In a moment of confession, Jesus forces them to see their sinners, so they must drop their weapon. They must not throw a stone, because none of them are without sin. So one by one, they drop their stones and they walk away. The scene we're left with at the end is Jesus standing alone with this woman and a pool of rocks around them both. All Jesus has to do is pick the rock he wants and cast the stone. The woman looks around at Jesus. She looks at the rocks pooled around them, and she just stands there. Why? Why doesn't she leave with all the others? Because she wanted something from Jesus. The native Indians were the only ones who could justifiably condemn the Spanish soldier. They were the only ones who could kill him because of all those he had enslaved. And they were the only ones who could forgive him. In the same way, Jesus was the only one who could condemn the one and the only one without sin who could cast the stone. And he was the only one that could forgive her. He was the only one who could set her free. She didn't leave because she wanted that forgiveness. While the scribes and Pharisees walked away with their sins heavy on their hearts, the woman, she walked away free. Jesus will forgive us our sins when we confess to him. Jesus will not condemn us. Instead, Jesus gives his very own life for us, a death and a life we'll celebrate in just a moment with communion. When we come to God's table, we walk forward literally side by side, looking at each other face to face and eye to eye, all of us sinners, all of us in need of God's body and blood to forgive us. Your sins aren't too big for God. Your burdens aren't either. Confessing humbles the heart, and God's pardon sets you free. To end, I would like to note that this story is not about not judging. Jesus judges the woman. He doesn't excuse what she did. We know this because he looks at her and tells her not to do it again. Go and sin no more. This story is not about not judging. This story is about being judged for our actions. But instead of being condemned, being forgiven. 
not being judged doesn't set you free. It does the exact opposite. It makes us slaves to our sin because we're allowed to keep doing them. Being judged for what we've done and being forgiven anyway, that's what sets us free. Confessing humbles the heart. Pardon sets you free. Now go and sin no more. Let us pray. For God, we bring to you all of those things that we have done, the sins and the burdens and the things weighing on us, and we ask that in your mercy you would forgive us. We ask that we would go out of these walls knowing that even though we have done wrong, you have chosen not to condemn us, but chosen to forgive us. Might we confess our sins to you, and might we rest in your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.